Welcome to another episode of From the Heart. And in today's episode, we're going to bring our audience our interview with Denise Brown. Yeah. And for those who are familiar back in the mid 90s with the trial of the century, mm -hmm. the Brown family was thrust into the limelight, uh, not through their choice, but unfortunately at the hands of someone else. And um, the focus of our interview, I believe, Todd, with Denise really takes us from that, that tragedy that they dealt with into maybe not triumph completely because they'll never bring Nicole and Ron Goldman back. True. But it's what they've done with it that has mm -hmm. inspired me. And I think uh, hopefully we'll inspire our audience as well. What about you? Yeah. Any, any thoughts on well, that takeaway from that? I, the, the biggest thing out of all of this, like what we're trying to do with the show is bring the humanity out of right. all these people that are uh, extremely talented business leaders or uh, entertainers or whatever, or just deal, dealt with extreme personal situations. And the thing that comes to the surface in this interview uh, that you didn't think about in that time, or at least I didn't, and a lot of us didn't, was that there was a family affected. Right. And she brings a humanity to a situation that we've seen on a... Uh, Kind of like a circus scale, the way that it was, sure. it, it was brought out. It really out. was a circus. Yeah, absolutely. So, and getting to hear her side of it and where she's gone from there, it's just, it's just phenomenal, and it's inspiring. And I think our audience is going to really, uh, really get a lot out of this. Yeah, and what I hope is that the leaders uh, who are watching and listening to this podcast will take the example of the Brown family and Denise mm -hmm. of, hey, when something bad happens, and this is about as bad as it gets, yeah. there's still a way to turn these lemons into lemonade, as they say. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm excited for you to watch and to listen to our interview with Denise Brown. Okay. Hi, I'm Denise Brown. You're watching From the Heart with Ed Hart. Uh, Denise, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just kind of the things that you've been up to. And you came into the spotlight 25 years ago, but really we want to talk more about not so much why that happened, but what are you doing now? That was the unfortunate side of it. Right. And yes, I Getting thrown into the spotlight because of a tragedy is not the way to get into a spotlight for anybody or anything. But, you know, we had a whole other life before that. I mean, our life, I was born in Germany. Right. A lot of people don't know that. You know, uh, I think I may have said it a few times on a couple of interviews, but I lived there until I was six years old. Right. You know, I didn't speak a word of English when I got here. You know, Nicole and I, we both lived there, uh, or we were both born there, lived there. I lived there until I was six. She was four. And, you know, not speaking a word of English, wow. getting thrown into a school, and all of a sudden speaking English after three weeks. Which is pretty impressive, sure. I think. But see, that just goes to show you, I mean, little kids, they have like a sponge for a brain. I mean, they can really, you know, they can remember we learn a lot things in those first and few learn years. things. Yeah. yeah, which is really great. Yeah. So anyway, so we uh, ended up coming here to California and yeah. uh, moving to Long Beach first. Sure. And then uh, moving our way to Garden Grove. And stayed there for about 10 years and grew up there. And then, of course, the girls became teenagers. Yeah. The girls, I mean, Nicole and I. Right, exactly. <laughs> because there was two other girls. Right, Dominique and Tanya are younger. How much younger are Dominique they than you? Dominique and Tanya, yeah. uh, seven and 12 okay. years so younger. Okay, younger. So Dominique sure. is seven years younger than I am, yeah. Tanya 12. And so the two older girls, we wanted to go to the beach. We like the beach. <laughs> Take us to the beach. And dad Take, took you to the beach. And he did. Excellent. You know, so uh, we ended up moving out of Garden Grove, moving down to the beach. I ended up graduating from Dana Hills High School. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I thought it was the coolest high school ever because it was all indoors. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, this is Ironic so you're at the great. beach and the school's indoors. Yeah, but I mean, what I loved about it was that the old school that I went to, Rancho Alamitos, everything was outside. Yeah. 
And being the girl that I am, <laughs> I have curly, frizzy hair. <laughs> so <laughs> indoors I, was good for you. So I really yeah. loved the fact that I could be indoors. I could have the straight hair, and I didn't have to worry about my hair. Nice. You know, so just normal girl. Normal childhood. Is yeah, there anything that kind of sticks childhood. out? Like maybe fun things or stories about you and Nicole growing up and just as, as sisters. I'm sure there's a lot of things you, you could or wouldn't share, certainly. But and it just <laughs> yeah. kind of memories of her that just when you think about her, it just really warms your heart and makes you smile. Oh, God, there's so many. Yeah. But, I mean, the things that we did, you know, thank God I graduated already and I have my diploma. So <laughs> I can talk about these things now. Exactly. <laughs> Can't get in trouble anymore, right? Yeah, being at Dana Hills High School, you had physical education down at the beach. Okay, nice. that was my fourth period. Nice. I had a fifth period when I wanted to go. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> when you weren't sunning on the beach. When there was no sun, I would go to my fifth period class. Yeah. When there was sun, we would all just continue, and we'd stay The teachers just the knew if the clouds are not out, then yeah, the kids okay, aren't coming to the fifth period. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. I ended Excellent. up passing anyway. I ended up getting my diploma, yeah. and but I never went to college. Okay. I just... You got a, a much bigger education, not, fortunately and un, unfortunately as well, from some of the experiences in your life. Well, you know what? I got to travel. I got lucky. Yeah. I got very fortunate in being able to travel around the world and, you know, with the job that I had. Sure. And so I was able to travel. I lived in Paris for a year. I lived in England. I lived in Italy. Um, lived over in Japan for a couple of months. And yeah. so I was able to see the world with the sure. work that I was doing. So that side of it was amazing. So talk about you that. Know? What were you doing pre-1994? And then certainly, uh, oh. how did that just dramatically launch you in a different direction? Pre-1994, I went to, I don't know if people remember this because, you know, I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> but the Ontario Speedway. Oh, yeah. In 1974. Absolutely. I met a guy at the Ontario Speedway, and back in the day, Denise used to give her phone number to everybody <laughs> that would ask. <laughs> and, I would just, and so he asked me, he says, he was trying to climb up on the fence, and I was waiting for, I don't know if you remember this band either, God, I'm aging myself, <laughs> Black Oak, Arkansas. I do not, actually. I, <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I loved Black Oak, Arkansas. Wow. There was one song that they used to sing, and I was up on a fence waiting for them at the Ontario Speedway. And all of a sudden, this guy, he tries to climb up on the fence. I mean, we were squished in like sardines anyway, sure. right? And he tries to climb up. And I'm like, what do you want? You know, why are you coming up here? There's no room for you. <laughs> and so anyhow, so he continued to climb up and he just stood there and he tried to have a conversation. And I said, get away from me and just let me listen to my music, <laughs> right? Climb down. He said, listen, he goes, he goes, do you want to be a model? I said, excuse me? Sounds like a I line, said people, right? People yeah. warn me about people you like go. you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like you just don't hear somebody saying that, especially at a concert like that. And I said, I said, no. I said, <laughs> I'm going to be a flight attendant. Nice. I wanted to be a flight attendant. And then all of a sudden, uh, he says, well, can I just have your phone number? And <laughs> he just Denise, cut to the chase. Yeah. <laughs> being Denise, I gave yeah. my telephone number. So it was about two, I guess about two months later, I get this phone call. Hey, remember me at the concert? I've got this photographer from Spain that would like to do a story on you and take some pictures. Wow. Well, that's how the whole thing started. Okay. Hence, I started modeling. I was able to travel around the world, and it was fun. It yeah. was not a life, you know, I mean, it was not a life choice that I made. It was just kind of something that happened sure. that fell into my lap. And, um, and then, you know, I did that, and then all of a sudden I... 
I also had my son. Yeah. I have a child, and uh, now I'm a grandmother as well. Well, congratulations. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? I have seven, seven grandsons myself, so being a grandparent seven? is the best thing. I have yeah. two. <laughs> All right, well, you'll, you'll catch up. Yeah. Grandson, granddaughter. Excellent. And, uh, you know, so life just kind of got me out of the modeling side of it. Sure. Into being a mother, you know, doing everything you can for your kids. Sure. And then I had a boy. So, of course, having a boy, I had to like insects, and I had to like camping. Force yourself to do all these things in the dirt that you didn't like before. And I I had to do these things, you know, because I told my mom, I said, we are not going to make a sissy out of this kid. He is going to be a (laughs) boy. And uh, so anyway, so he's going to be a boy boy. So anyway, hence the, you know, all the sports. And then I, um, I had friends, thank God, that surfed that loved jet skiing, that loved, you know, skiing, that loved all that kind of right. stuff. So the things that I didn't do, the sports he that I didn't do, he could get those with them. Excellent. Yeah, so it was really, it was fun. Cool. So then fast forward to 1994. Yeah. My nightmare so, of all nightmares. Yeah, so can share with, with us what you can. Obviously, we've talked in the past about warning signs that you may have seen, you know, early on. And because I think Nicole was right out of high school, wasn't she, when that relationship began? She was, began? yeah. And what, tell us about how you, you know, when you first maybe had some suspicion that maybe her life was, maybe not her life was in danger, but certainly that there were some red flags about that relationship that worried you. That was the one thing that I testified to on the stand. Okay. And that was the biggest red flag because we got thrown out of the house. Yeah. And um, so that for me was the, you know, the introduction to a monster. Sure. And that scared me because, I mean, he just, it, it's interesting because I don't know if any abuser looks any different. Right. Because they've got this non look in their eyes. Yeah. And it's like their, their veins are pulsating. There's such a, such a disconnect that, you know, they, they, I don't know. I mean, they don't even look like the people that, you know, you once knew and loved, you know, sure. and had in your life. So it was it was a real eye-opening experience. I've heard you talk in the past about how he came across a little bit charming. And obviously there was an attraction that oh. Nicole had. Nicole was a beautiful woman, homecoming queen, Absolutely. and certainly very, you know, no. came from a very, you know, nice family and, and raised well. Um, certainly wasn't really... I've heard that some women will be attracted to that type because of a past, and I don't see that at all in no, Nicole's we didn't have past, that. right? No. And okay. so, what what do you think attracted her to him, other than maybe the fame, perhaps? You but know what? I don't know if it was even the fame. Okay. I think she was just attracted to the guy. Yeah. His charisma, his charm, his um, the way he you know treated her. I mean, he when he was good, he was good. Sure. Well, that's you what know? I was wondering. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you know, I can even say that. Yeah. Does it? You choked me to say that. Well, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it does choke me now to say that. Yeah. But you know, I mean, there was there were good times in their relationship. They had good times. Right. When I first met them, was actually the first red red flag. Okay. And that was when Nicole told me after about nine months of dating, she says I have a boyfriend, and I go, Oh, you do? And she's eighteen or nineteen years she's old. She's eighteen. Point. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe nineteen now. Yeah. Um, I have, I have a boyfriend and I want you to meet him. I said, okay. And she says, he's a football player. I said, okay, what do we know about football? I mean, come on, we're four girls, right? Exactly. So what do we know? Nothing. Right. He's a football player. I said, oh, okay. He's black. And I said, okay. 
Okay. Don't want to so be. far, no concerns, <laughs> right? Yeah. Zero concerns, yeah. you know, because we were raised in a family all of our our whole family yeah. i mean we have mexican we have jewish we have black we have um probably every religion the united nations within your family race, Absolutely. yeah in our yeah. family so yeah. it's like okay so none of these things were red flags none of these things were concerns until i got there and all of a sudden it was it was a no uh, he was down on the football field so he was still Say, playing in the NFL was, at that he point? He was still okay. playing, yeah. He was with the Buffalo Bills. Okay. And all of a sudden, he was telling a guy, one of his teammates, hey, that's my girl up there, because we were in the bleachers. Sure. And at that exact moment, a friend of theirs kissed Nicole on the cheek, because that's what we do. We're European, it's European, okay? absolutely. We kiss on the cheek, we say hello. And we don't just shake hands with somebody, unless we don't know them. Right. Then we shake hands. And so these guys were longtime friends of both of theirs. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, that night... Just set him off, huh? Set him off like you have no idea. Nicole was upstairs in the bathroom crying, and they had made figurines of him, right, at the time. Okay. And she took this figurine. I went into the bathroom, and I heard her crying. She took the figurine, and she threw it into the bathtub. She goes, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. And I go, Nicole, I said, what the heck is going on? And then she proceeded to tell me why he was so upset, and it was because of the kiss, the kiss. on the cheek, on the cheek, because she embarrassed something him. Something you didn't think of, she didn't think of, it was just natural. No, because it was something that they always right. do, because even he was friends of this guy's, yeah. okay? So it was not some complete stranger, but she embarrassed him, okay? So here we go. She embarrassed him. She goes downstairs. She goes and, uh, and speaks to him, and all of a sudden she comes up, and she goes, oh, everything's Okay. And I go, what do you mean everything's okay? She goes, ah, it was my fault. I embarrassed him. And I said, oh, okay. Well, not knowing anything about domestic violence. Sure. I said, okay, but God, what a, that's a hell of a reaction. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? It's like, why would somebody react like that? Yeah. It's so insane. And um, <clears throat> so anyhow, we ended up going out that night. She was fine with him. Everything was okay. Next day, I said, Nick. I said, are you sure you don't want to come back to New York with me? Because I was living in New York at the right. time. And she goes, no, no, no. She goes, everything's okay. I said, are you sure? And she goes, yes. I said, okay. Never another mention, never another wow. word about this, never nothing. So I said, it's okay. I said, everything is great in their relationship. They're still together and they're back in Los Angeles. So that's I went 19, back to yeah. New York. So that's 1982. That was, no. That, oh. oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I believe so. so. And so obviously it's 12 years think. later that, you know, all of this comes to a head. What other warning signs did you maybe see in those next 12 years where maybe you had that Nick conversation again and, and maybe asked her or, or noticed some, some behaviors? Well, there was. There was another when they uh, moved into their house in Brentwood. Okay. And all of a sudden I'm in Nicole's bathroom and I open up a drawer and I see a Polaroid, if you guys remember Polaroids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. I see a Polaroid picture. I look at it and I go, oh, my God. And I see a black eye. And okay. she says, she goes, oh, my God. She goes, isn't that great? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, oh, the studio painted the black eye on my face. Wow. And I said, oh, my God. I said, it looks so real. And I took the picture and I threw it back into the drawer. I closed the drawer. Thought nothing and of I it just, at the time. Well, we were raised in a family. We never even heard my mom and dad yell at each other. So why would I think that there was anything going on? 
besides sure. you know his eruption years before the one that you saw a couple years back yeah or whatever. yeah sure so i mean okay it happens things happen this studio makeup artist yeah it's believable he was making a movie right okay so you know we sit there and you just kind of go okay great Good job. Yeah, very nice makeup. <laughs> you know? Yeah, obviously we know that that picture was one that was used later on, right? Was that it the one was that was used later on? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so a couple of yeah. things that you mentioned there that I wanted to kind of go back to. Um, you talked about how you know that incident initially, where you know the next day she's like, "Oh, it's no big deal. We're fine." Yeah. Or, "Oh, yeah, that was Even just that a, night. yeah, that's just yeah. a picture that was made up." You know, as you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Do you find in the research and in the work that you've done since '94 and in the last 25 years that those are pretty common things that you'll see in victims of domestic abuse, where they will defend yeah. the harmer or make up excuses or stories that didn't weren't real? Why? why? So you're yeah. saying yes? Why is that? Do you yeah, think? they do. And, well, because what happens is, and it was a police officer that explained this to me, okay. and it was really interesting because I thought, okay, a New York cop, he's sitting here talking to me. We're having a conversation, and he says, Denise, domestic violence calls are the most dangerous calls that a police officer goes on. I sat there and I go, Why? I said, You guys have guns, you go yeah, you in, think you're very you, protected, yeah, sure. you're protected. And he goes, No, he goes, Because what happens is he, he went on a call, so he just explained this call to me. You go in there, the woman is arrest him, arrest him, arrest him. So you go towards the guy, you want to go and arrest him. Sure enough, didn't I have a chair broken over my back? I said, what? Broken over my back because the thing that happens when uh, an abuser goes behind bars or they get arrested, within a few hours, they get out. Sure. Who is to blame after that? The victim. Right. You made this happen. This happened because of you. And then she gets bigger beating than she had actually had in the first place because it was all her fault. And he knows the pattern that the last time I did this, she's going to stand up for me the next day. So she's going to do it again and start to feel and kind of that shame and that almost like it's her fault. Shame is huge when yeah. it comes to domestic violence. I yeah. mean, that's, that is a word that I hear with so many domestic violence victims. I mean, the mm-hmm. shame of not wanting anyone to know the shame sure. of not wanting to, you know, expose, especially if they're a doctor or a politician, or yeah. a judge, or, because anybody can be an abuser. Right. You know, right. there's not, uh, you know. There's not an MO that you can just look at and say, oh, that's the guy, or that's no. the girl, or whatever. I mean, you'd be surprised, because yeah. I've had phone calls from news anchors, from politicians' wives, from, you know, I mean, it t- it's all walks of life that right. domestic violence affects. So, uh, you know, I mean, this was something that uh, that was all new. Sure. You know, I mean, it was uh, it was so new to me. And then I had to get educated when my sister was murdered. Right. And that was, okay, I saw a few things. Did I think anything of them? No, because I didn't know what domestic violence was. Yeah. And when we went to a shelter, my mother and I, we went to a shelter, uh, Human Options. Okay. In oh, Laguna yeah. Beach. Yeah. They were in Laguna well. Beach at sure. the time. And I said, okay, what is this? Because my dad found her notes and diaries. Okay. And so I started reading them, and I said, uh-uh. I said, this is impossible. This didn't I happen. I threw this them happened. back on sure. the bed, and I said, this did not happen to my sister because she would have told me. Exactly. Okay? And a lot of siblings, a lot of people that, 
you know, in families, they think, okay, well, why didn't they tell me? Why yeah. did she say? It's all these why questions sure. that they do. And why didn't I spot it? Well, I, you know, that never came into my, okay. into my vocab, into my psyche or my sure. whatever, you, you my head, really that. Sure. because I never lived it. True. We never lived it. We never mm-hmm. had it in our family. So I never said any of that, but I just said, well, why didn't she tell me? Right. Why didn't she tell me all this stuff was going on? Like I was going to be the hero to get her out. I don't yeah. know. I didn't know anything about it. How was I even going to even try to do that? You know, that was, you got to remember, this was 25 years ago when all this stuff was exactly. going down. And 25 years ago, they didn't have the laws that they have today. Yeah. It happened to poor and homeless people. Yeah, this wasn't something that happened to, to middle, upper class families. No. And it just didn't exist like that. You know, I mean, everybody thought poor and homeless. You read it in the newspaper. And you just tell, oh, my God, those poor people. Right. Those poor people. Exactly. Point. Not, yeah. you know, that it could happen in your own family. Right. So you sit there and you just go, this is impossible. How did something like this happen when we were so close, when we would talk about everything and anything, right. growing up, talking about boys, <coughs> talking about, you know, uh, our relationships, yeah. talking Girl about... Stuff. Yeah, just yeah. the girl stuff. Yeah, our dreams, talk our about. hopes, our whatever. Yeah. You know, and my my sister always wanted the white picket fence. Sure. Always a white picket fence. Yeah. She that's what her life was. And, you know, she she didn't get that white picket yeah. fence. She didn't get that uh, you know, that She thought she was heading towards that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. she did. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately circumstances changed and, you know, people don't really, I mean, come on, this person was in our life for 17 years. Right. And do you really think that somebody in your life is going to kill somebody in your family? So that takes me to an interesting point then, because when you and I spoke last and I asked you about your reaction the day after, the day you got the news, oh. you, you went to, you knew. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then I'd like to get more into what you've been doing since yeah. then and, and dwell on this a whole lot less. Yeah, you know, okay, but, perfect. You know, because you, you made the statement that, you know, this doesn't happen in our family. We've known him for 17 years, but yet the it day did. that you got the news, you, you knew. You had a, your reaction was, was Well, what? you know what's really strange yeah. is I was up at 6.15. 6.15 in the morning is when okay. we got that phone call. Okay. And all of a sudden, I hear, I'm in the kitchen, I hear my mother a scream out of my mother that I, I, I don't know what it was. I don't, I mean, it was so, such an unusual scream. Something you've never heard like, before. You couldn't tie anything to guttural, that because you hadn't I heard mean, it before. Just like something so bizarre. I ran back to their bedroom and she was standing on her knees or on her knees on yeah. her bed. And she had the phone in her hand and she says, Nicole is dead. Nicole, Nicole is dead. Nicole is dead. And I just go, what? I grabbed the phone from her and I said, who is this? At first I thought it was a prank. Right. I was like, who is doing something like this? You know, I mean, we just left her the night before. Right. You had dinner the night before. Sure. Right. And, you know, we said our goodbyes. We said our I love yous because that's how we left. Right. Every time we saw each other, every phone call, I love you. We'll see you soon, you Mm know. And all of a sudden... This person on the other end of the tel- out on the telephone is telling my mother that my sister had been killed. Wow. And I grabbed the phone and I said, who is this? He says, Tom Lang. Okay. And I, Detective Tom Lang. Sure. And I said, and then he says, your sister's been killed. And 
I just lost it. I think we just, it, all of a sudden, it was chaos. Chaos erupted in our house. Sure. I ran back. I grabbed my son. I was screaming through the house. And I was like, I couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the news was on and murder of Bundy. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it gives me friggin' chills. Sure. Just even thinking about it. And, you know, the way that this whole thing is played out. You, I wish people would remember that these are real families. Absolutely. These are real human beings. That's part of why I wanted to talk to you today. You know, your, your story is much more than just what happened on that night and your reaction and, the next day. It's it's so much deeper than that. And they're making movies after yeah. movies and fiction, <clears throat> nonfiction. I mean, you just fic- you just... Right. You know, whatever you got, whatever these people want to do, they're doing it. But they just don't even think that there are people that are involved and feelings. Right. And you know, kids. Yeah. Her daughter. Absolutely. Her kids were in the. In, her in son. The, sure. My mother. Yeah. You know, I mean, my father's not around anymore. But I mean, he he's rolling around in his grave. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, all of this stuff is just horrific because right. they don't think there is no sympathy, empathy, whatever you want to call it. The because yeah, exactly. it just it just really just gets to me because all they care about is making money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there, there are people that are involved in all lives. of this. Yeah. yeah. People with hearts. People that have feelings. Right. So well, you hit it. So the, the name of our podcast is From the Heart. You just kind of touched on yeah. the heart. So I'd like to now shift gears if we could. And obviously, you know, the rest is well documented. We don't need to go into that at all. Yeah, so what I'd like to exactly. do now is just really, first of all, it seems like an obvious question, but how has how has that incident or that event or that history in your life changed the trajectory in your family? You talked about almost the white picket fence family that you grew up in, right? And certainly, you've all done work now to to bring awareness to mental health and to bring awareness to depression right. and to violence and so forth. That's my sister Tanya does a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, I read that. That's a lot great. Of work, yeah. <clears throat> I think that's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> what would you tell somebody that? suspects in their own family now that maybe there's something going on that's not right. What advice might you have for a a brother, a sister, a sister, because you're the sister in this particular situation. Ed, I still get emails to this day, 25 years later. Yeah. What do I do? What do I tell them? What can I say? And, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many red flags when it comes to domestic violence, you know, like just the small stuff. Why are you wearing that color lipstick? Why are you wearing that short skirt? What you want to be? Who do you want to impress? Why are you wearing the you long know? sleeves on well, a hot summer day or something? Well, on, yeah, perhaps, I mean or, anything sure. like that. So that there's always these like little put downs and these little digs. Okay, you know, so all that kind of stuff. Okay, sometimes maybe you're not dressed appropriately, and you say, you know, could you just go change, honey? You know, we need to have this is a black tie affair. You need to have a long dress on. Okay, that's a normal that's relationship. A normal con- yeah, that's, <laughs> that's any, a any husband and wife conversation. Sure. Exactly. But to constantly be berated because of what you wear and how you look and who you talk to and, you know, what you say and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff and right. constantly put down and yeah. put down because of that. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, these subtle little things turn into these bigger things because there's the cycle of domestic sure. violence and that cycle is about power and control yeah and it's one human being over another so it doesn't matter if it's sister to sister right. it doesn't matter if it's brother to sister or sure. sister to brother or father aunt to daughter uncle, or father daughter yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. it's about power and control of one human being over another 
the verbal, the emotional, sure. the psychological, the put downs, the chipping away at somebody's self-esteem. And all of a sudden that person thinks that they're completely worthless and that they're no good. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what did I do wrong in this relationship? Sure. Okay. And so they truly believe they're brainwashed into believing that it's their fault. Every, every action that an abuser takes is the victim's fault. Yeah. There's a word for victim, but there's not a uh, there's not a real word that we all use for there's harmer, there's abuser, there's monster, but monster victim. There's <laughs> I one call word, him a monster. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed that there's so hypothetical scenario? Anybody mm. who's watching or listening today may suspect that their daughter, for example, is being victimized. Right. Are there questions that you think are safe questions that you can ask versus questions that you don't want to ask? Because you certainly don't want to make her feel, again, more like a victim or more like it's her fault. You don't want to alienate her either. Exactly. Okay, you don't want to say, okay, if you don't leave now, I'm never talking to you again. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, kids, younger kids, the younger generation, they'll just go, oh my God, she doesn't listen. Then she goes back to this guy. You have to be there for that person through this whole duration. You may not yeah. like what is happening because they go back to the abuser seven to ten times. Okay. You know, so you may not like what's going on, but don't alienate them. Don't okay. make them close that door because then they'll never come Just and talk make to them you feel again. Safe. Make them feel safe. Make them feel actually comfortable. Okay. That they can come and speak to you. Because yeah. if they don't have anybody to turn to, that's when all of a sudden they're just isolated. Right. And isolation is a huge part of domestic violence sure. as well. That just feeds the shame. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruin their reputation. I don't want to ruin their job. I don't want to ruin, you know, their life because, you know, this is my fault because right. they've been brainwashed into thinking that this is their fault. So, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's really complex. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing. Yeah. And especially when I keep, even 25 years later, I am getting emails from people that are being re-victimized in courtrooms. Sure. So it all hashes up again. It's like, oh gosh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know. And, and it comes up for you again too, I'm sure. All the time. I mean, here we are talking about it, but I mean, yeah, that's, but it, yeah, it's definitely something that unfortunately has kind of created a stigma, even with your family and a, a definition. Yeah. Can you share any stories with us of maybe some hope or, or some good news? Anything that you've seen good where. Good news. Yeah. Let, let's, 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 good let's things sprinkle some there. pixie dust on this for yeah, a moment and just exactly. say, you know, maybe awareness that's come to you and your family, or maybe a woman that you've noticed that because of your experience, you can see that maybe her life has changed as a result of maybe things that you've done or shared or maybe others well, and that you've I, seen. Well, and I do get emails like yeah, that, you know. I mean, thank God for uh, Nicole has saved my life, you know, the right. everything that Nicole yeah. went through and everything that you're talking about, uh, you know, has saved my life. And so, I mean, those are things that keep you going. Yeah. And every time I travel someplace, I always go to a shelter. I want to go to a shelter and I want to see those women in that shelter. I want to see the men in the shelters yeah. because a lot of them, they, for years, Ed, they did not take boys over the age of 13 in the shelters because mm. some of them were six foot three. Yeah. How can I be a they're big one? Six foot three, right. But exactly. yet they're kids because they're only 13 years old. Exactly. So yeah, that whole thing in many cases, in many places has changed. So they are taking care of these, you know, these older boys as yeah. well. And they are allowing them into the shelters, which I think is a great thing because they're really, they're kids. Sure. They're the woman's kid. 
the, the victim who is going there, who needs the help, they're her children. She's not going to leave those children behind with an abuser. Exactly. She's taking them with her. So, you know, I think the whole cha- the whole cycle has to, or the mindset of a lot of these shelters has to change. And then you've got the victims that right. go in there that have animals. You know, you got to remember them, too, exactly. because those are there for legged babies. Absolutely. What do I do yeah. with my cat or my dog? What am I yeah. going to do? I'm not leaving them behind because, you know what? Remember that movie, Fatal Attraction? <laughs> All too well. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is a reality. Absolutely. That kind of stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, there's some sick people out there. Yeah. And, okay, so the hope side of it is. Yeah. There's a 24-hour domestic violence national hotline okay. that started. And after we'll make Nicole's sure that we put that murder. information on our show notes so that people can see what that is. If they're watching or listening today, they yeah. can know where to reach. Absolutely. I mean, they have helped millions of people. You know, get to the shelter. They're out of Texas, and I went and I toured that, and that was wonderful. That happened because of Nicole. Yeah, you know, good. it was like a year after Nicole. Then there was the Violence Against Women Act. Um, mm-hmm. Our ex. Vice President Joe Biden. I don't know what what do we call yeah, him. What is he now? Vice, yeah. <laughs> Potential presidential <laughs> candidate him. Joe Biden. I, I, yeah. Well, yeah. whatever. But yeah. I mean, he was such a good man, and he invited me to come to uh, Congress. He invited me to come to Washington uh, along with Arlen Specter. Mm-hmm. And sure. what we needed to do was get Senate appropriations because the funding for the shelters was stalled in Senate appropriations. Okay. So I went there and. I figured, okay, how do we get people's attention? How do we do this? Right. We named names. Yeah. We did. We named the name of congressmen that did not want the Violence Against Women Act to pass. Wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, are they going to throw me in jail? What's going <laughs> to happen to me? I don't know. But that was probably the best thing we could have done because we were able to get. Instead of the $18 million that they were asking, we were able to get $32 million for shelters. Wow. Yeah. So that was a wonderful thing. Sure. Police officers, they were able to go in and do their job the way they were supposed to. Go in there, arrest somebody. Um, yeah, that got a little convoluted there for a while because they were arresting both people, and sometimes they still do because there's scratches on them. Yeah. But, you know, what they need to do is they need to be educated. Once they're educated on who the actual aggressor is, then you'll know who you have to arrest. Yeah. There's a lot of he yeah. said, she said, certainly. There they'll is. come to the door and they'll be, yeah. you know, I've heard stories of a woman who has called the police and then the person who answers the door is maybe another policeman or a celebrity or a fireman or something. And the men at the door are like, wow, you're so-and-so. And exactly. How could you possibly do this? But and you got to remember. They're people just like we are. Right. They put their pants on just like we do. They put their <laughs> exactly. shirts on just like we do. Yeah. They are just people. And yeah. they are people that can do just about anything. Yeah. You know, when the situation comes to push or shove. So it's, uh, there is hope. Yeah. I just want people to know that if they hit you once, they will hit you again. Okay. And if they ever threaten to kill you, eventually one day they will take it seriously take it seriously get out call the national domestic violence hotline 1-800-799-SAFE okay and call them get out of that relationship and i can't tell you how fast to run yeah but go because it's not going to get any better so if there's one takeaway one thing that you've learned just from 1982 through to 94 and beyond that, that oh God, I know, I know there's, there's a hundred, <laughs> but first thing yeah. that comes to your mind, is there anything in particular that, uh, maybe 
you and the family have talked about, oh, if only we would have, or no. I'm so glad. I'm no. So no regret with no, what no, you no, didn't no, do. No, 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 I can't go to the would have, could have, Nothing should you have. Nothing you could have done. Yeah. I, can't, I can't go to the guilt because, I, because I, we didn't know about it. Yeah. So if you don't know about something, you cannot feel right. guilty about something. Now that I know about That's it. That's great advice. Yeah, now that yeah. I know about it. Are you kidding me? I would have dragged her out of there by her hair, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I mean, they do say, ah, yeah. wait, I got to tell you this story. Please. It was a wonderful story. A woman, she, she totally contradicted me. She says, Denise, that's not true. Because I says, you can't physically remove somebody out of a domestic violence relationship. She says, I have to tell you. She goes, I did it. I grabbed my daughter and I told her she was never going back again. I watched her and I was not going to let her go. And I said, I am so glad you told me this because (laughs) I always thought everybody was like, no, you know, you can't physically remove anybody. And this lady, she just totally called me out on, you can. And I just thought, oh, I love this. That's good. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. How often that happens? I've right. only it's, heard it it's, once. It's not 100 percent <coughs> or zero percent. It's certainly. But it's you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, she did it. She saved her daughter's life. Yeah. She got her out of the abusive relationship. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's excellent. Good for yeah. her. That's great. So that was like so, that. Well, that's was one like of those stories great. you've heard that it makes you, it makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, as you know, the name of the podcast is from the heart, and the reason that we launched this is ultimately the goal is to talk about you know, what is in your heart? As you think about, as we kind of wrap up, and, and I really appreciate you sharing what you've shared. This is just really, it's, for me, it's it's eye-opening. It helps me to see, you know, things that I may be looking for in the future. And, you know, I work at a very large institution, and there's a lot of people out there who work for large yeah. companies. And, yeah. you know, before I wrap and, and ask you that final question, what would you say to somebody who is in a workplace who may suspect that an employee, legally, we can't just walk up and say, is everything okay? But I mean, are there things that you would tell an employer to look for in their employees or well, coworkers or what have you? Are they showing up at work? Okay. 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 I have to. I have to kind of. There's a couple of phases to this thing. Sure. Because oftentimes the corporate corporations they're so big they only think about their bottom line. Okay. There's people that only think about money. Right. Okay. That is. Okay, the one thing that I can talk to them about, because if your employee is not showing up at work, it is costing your bottom line. Absolutely. If they're constantly in the hospital or constantly, you know, out, you're still paying these people and you're not getting your work done. So take that into consideration. Sure. If nothing else, if you don't care about the people that work for you. Care about the bottom line that's being Care about the bottom this. line. Sure. Exactly. Okay. But I really wish that people would care about, you know, the people. And, sure. you know, a lot of uh, a lot of corporations, a lot of uh, HR departments are putting domestic violence questionnaires right. together and putting questions into that when somebody is coming into the department. Yeah. You know, so they are moving forward and they are doing a lot of good things to, to actually help and to fight domestic violence. Okay. Is there anything that you hope that they would do that they're not doing yet? I know you talked about the appropriations and the money that came from Congress and so forth to make the changes. And uh, and, but is there anything out there now that you're still either lobbying for or hoping for that maybe we can help get that message out to make some additional changes to protect those that may be suffering from this? I don't know if you really want to go into my answer to that one. (laughs) Well, it's your opportunity. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if you want to hear that because then it gets really political. Okay. Um, But anyway, I I think that. a lot of it stems from the top 
And I think that if we have a bully at the top, I think it's really not a good example to teach a lot of these abusers, which are also bullies. And I think uh, bullies are, they allow other people to become bullies and to Mm -hmm. bully other people, be it another man, be it another woman, be it whoever. Um, Bullies just are not good. (laughs) We learn from behavior that we watch. Yes. and Whether we're children or adults, we learn from the behaviors that we see. Yes. So parents, political figures, you name it. Bosses, if they're bullies, you're going to have a horrible working environment. Okay. Let me ask you this. Oh, God. <laughs> what's, your, what's your son's name? Sean. Sean. What do you tell Sean about his Aunt Nicole, and what do you tell him about when he becomes a father? He and, is a father. Okay, great. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, he is grandma. a father. What do you tell him about how to treat his wife and his kids, and, and what do you teach him about his aunt that he never met or that he m- may have met but at a very young age? Yeah, she passed away when – well, passed away. I hate when I say that. Right. It's, she wasn't – she didn't pass away. She was murdered. Yeah. You know, she died. She did not pass away from any disease. It wasn't cancer you know, or – It wasn't yeah. anything like that. So, yeah, cut that part out, please. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, – what do you tell what do you tell a boy you tell a boy you know what just love cherish the moments that you have with yeah. your children with your wife with your you know significant other a girlfriend uh, what do you tell a woman who it you tell her the same thing yeah. what do you tell your daughter you tell them cherish love you know be there for them protect them and don't let anything bad happen to them yeah you be know, their protector, truly be, their protector. Yeah, be that protector. Be that yeah. be that man that, you know, is there to protect your uh, protect your wife and your kids, you know? Yeah. And vice versa. Absolutely. You know, the wife needs to be there and stand up for her man as yeah. well. Take advice. I think there's a lot of people in the new generation, they think they know it all. Yeah. And sorry about that, anybody, if I'm offending anybody right now. That's but, right, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> no, they really We're getting do. heads nodding they, and shaking, you know, <laughs> on the back behind the cameras no, here. No, but yeah. they really do think they know it all. But you know what? Take <laughs> the advice from your parents because your parents raised you. Right. And if they did a good job with you, what did they do that was so wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you are a good goes person. goes back to the learn from the experiences yeah, of others. Yeah, learn from your parents. So yeah. if you're a good person, then you had a good role model. So take that into consideration when you get into a relationship, when you have children. And just remember, you know what? You're not always the wisest. There are people that know more than you. Yeah. And that have been on this earth longer than you. <laughs> yeah. Learn from, yeah. Those of us yeah. who have been through the forest can talk about what's inside while others exactly. are inside it still. But. I know people need to experience things. Right. And, but as a parent, you always try to protect them from certain things. They don't want to hear it. They do it on their own. And don't turn around and say, I told you so. Yeah. Even though you want to sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, you know, just be be that loving person that you were raised to be. Okay. How has your experience with what you went through as a family made your family closer? Oh, God, at times it hasn't. You okay. know, I mean, everybody's got their own view of all of it. Sure. You know, I mean, people see things differently. Uh, yes, in some ways we're closer. In some ways we're completely opposites. Sometimes we think one way and we're all individuals. Yeah. So everybody's going to think differently. Sure. 
You know, my dad thought different. My mother thought different. You know, she was there to protect uh, Sydney and Justin and all the kids. Yeah. You know, so she was the protector. My father was running the foundation that we started in Nicole's name. So he was trying to educate people. I was out traveling and speaking, trying to educate people and trying to get the awareness and, you know, education out there. Right. And, you know, so there was three different roles right there. And, you know, and then Dominique and Tanya, they were, they were still, you know, they were basically Pretty young. young right. Yeah. And taking care of the kids or doing things with them or whatever, you know, whatever their role was. But um, everybody was different. Yeah. And everybody grieves differently. And, sure. And, you some know, do it in anger. Some do it in denial. I was angry we go for 13 all the years, yeah, Ed. Absolutely. 13 yeah. years it took me to get over it. Yeah. Not even over it. I'm not no, even over it. You're not over it today, of course, yeah. But to get to the <laughs> point know? where it didn't, you didn't wake up consumed in the thought. No, yeah. not anymore. You could actually wake up and 13 have a life. years it took for that. Wow. Because I was consumed. Yeah. Yeah, everybody goes, God, she's so angry. <laughs> and I go, yeah. Walk a mile I, in my shoes and talk about how you feel, right? There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How are Sydney so, and Justin doing? How old are they now? And how do, how, how's oh life been for them? Obviously, and essentially losing both parents. I mean, yeah, you well, know, their dad's around, but he's so not. He, he's around now. So, uh, you know what? They're actually really good. Yeah, good. I, I mean, they could have really fallen off the deep end, but they're really, well, really that had, good. Well, a lot says for the family that surrounded them. I know it was, a lot of it was public, we, we, but yeah. also a lot of private that, that yeah. none of us know about, but I'm sure they were surrounded with love. Oh, they were, always. Yeah, good. So. Excellent. That's all good. So talk to us about the Elite Speakers Bureau and some of the things that you do there. Well, the Elite Speakers Bureau is now called Elite Speakers International. International, right. I saw yeah. and, uh, I think well, my face might be on that website somewhere. Yeah. It was at one point, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we brought it back to cause-related. And yeah. the causes, we've got speakers that are talking about domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, um, of gosh, suicide just prevention. Suicide prevention. Sure. Just all the different causes that you would you know, want to talk about. And that all started because I was just one person and I was traveling yeah. so much. And I said, well, God, how can we get other people out there? How can we get other voices to be heard? So I figured, okay, let's start a speakers bureau. Awesome. Let's try this and see what happens. The corporate side of it was more challenging. So that's sure. why we brought it back to, you know, the cause related, yeah. but the website is elitespeakersinternational.com. Okay. We'll yeah. put that up there as well. So, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, because, you bet. The, you know, everybody needs to be heard. There's sure. lots of great, you know, speakers out there that are talking about it. It's not just me. Right. You know, I mean, I'm just one little small part of it <laughs> that's doing my job. Yeah. But there's a lot of really intelligent, wonderful people out there that are that can get their stories out there or a story or educate somebody and educate a corporation, educate a business, educate the military, educate just sure. anybody and everybody. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. Is there a way, you have a Twitter handle or Facebook page or something that people could look at or to, to get information to you or just Ooh. look at what, I'm not looking, asking for your personal cell phone number no, by any stretch, but. Yeah, no, through yeah. the Elite Speakers okay. International. Yeah. EliteSpeakersInternational.com is a way to get in touch with me. Okay. I don't know my whatever handle. That's thingy, fine. They can reach out to us too from the heart. We, we have Denise's information as well and we will certainly share I do that. have Instagram. Okay. I do have Facebook. Okay. I do have LinkedIn. Yep. Do I know what any of yeah, that stuff is? is? No. I have yeah. no clue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I do go on there and check it every once in a okay. while. And it's not, I'm not a social media savvy person. Right. So, you know, this was all brand new to me. Yeah. 
No, this is so great. thank you for this having is step me. one to the the Denise Brown podcast potentially. Oh, so gosh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Who knows what the future brings, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm look, looking forward to learning more about what Elite Speakers International is doing, um, some of the different directions you've gone since we talked about it several years ago. Yeah, and thank um, you. if there's anything we can do to to give you that forum as well, that would be great. We'd love to do that. Perfect. All right. I will accept it. I will never say no. Absolutely. My mom always said, say thank you. <laughs> there you go. I like it. That's good. That's good yeah. advice. Yeah. I told my kids the answer is no until you ask. It might still be no when you ask, but it's no until you ask. You need <laughs> yeah, $20, yeah, it's no. Go. If you don't ask, I'm not going to just hand you $20. So. <laughs> I'm not a mind reader. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So the last question for you before I let you go. <laughs> so if I if I lean right back on the, the pun intended on my name, but the name of our of our podcast here is From the Heart. So mm-hmm. if you just had one last message on anything, it doesn't even have to be what we talked about today. What's in your heart? What's in my heart today? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) See, there you go. There's a lot. It's full. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, it is full. My heart is full. You've Um, got a great relationship. You've got a great life now. I do. And, you know, I've got a great man in my life, so I'm very blessed with that. I've got my mother still. My father's no longer with us, but, you know, my mother is still with me, and so I'm blessed about that. I've got my sisters. I've got my son, the grandkids, the family, you know, so they're all healthy. What are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Okay. Um, Vacation. Amen. Coming up on that time. Yeah. No, I've uh, actually I I go to Italy every summer. I mean, I still work, but uh, when I'm over there, but I just, you know, that's that's my kind of reprieve. Sure. One last thing I I forgot to ask you about, and we can edit this or pull it in earlier, wherever we put it, or maybe use it in another, you know, soundbiter hat, what have you. October, you mentioned to me, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that, and this this will air after October, which might be good because it gives attention to this not just in one month. Well, but talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and that's something that I always say because yeah. okay, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. All these organizations and people do things during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and. I say domestic violence should be recognized every single day of the year. And, you know, so keep it going. Keep the talk going. Keep the education going. Don't just stop because October's finish. Yeah, exactly. Because domestic violence is going to continue. So let's just continue talking about it. Excellent. Denise, thank you so much. I know that this is not... You know, I try not to rehash, you know, the past, but let's, you know, it's nice to be able to talk about what you're doing going forward. And if this, my my goal coming into today was if there's one person who may be suffering from domestic violence and they hear you and they hear your story and they just hear the advice that you have and have shared with us today, that maybe they will have the courage to, to make a phone call to a loved one or be able to figure out where to go. You've given some phone numbers and we've talked about websites. And again, we'll put that in the notes on this podcast. That someone will either have the courage to get out of that situation or maybe a family member or a close friend or employer or co-worker will have the courage to say the right thing. So thank you for that. Thank you for yeah, sharing what's absolutely. in your heart with us today. And it's just really good to see you again. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. You Thanks, Denise. <laughs>